Greetings, everyone. Can you hear me? Hopefully you can. It just told me that I was muted. Apologize for that. Um, but right now I'm going to go ahead and get all the recordings and the backup recordings started. And then we'll go ahead and get underway for this evening. Looks like everything's all set. Greetings. Welcome, everybody. We're here tonight for the um, Archangel Michael Global Angelic Transmissions. So it's the Global Angelic Transmission again, uh, the 20th of each month from spring equinox to fall equinox of this year is the Global Transmission Series. Um, yes, uh, looks like people can hear me. Okay, so thank you for letting me letting me know. Um, I'm not going to be having anybody, uh, I'm not going to be looking at the chat or anybody working on the chat. I appreciate actually if people um, during uh, this part of the introduction as well as during the transmission itself um, don't use the chat until the very end uh, in which I'll welcome everybody to actually use the chat to um, ask questions, make comments, say hello, goodbye, uh, etc. at the end of this evening. So. I'll let you know when that time when that time comes. Uh, but I was just mentioning where we are with this series of global transmissions and Reverend Anna Jones. And so um, welcome everybody who's new to my work. I think most people who are signed up for this evening have been signed up for the whole series. So um, that that's exciting. Many of you actually attending the, the, the whole series. So I'm always grateful for those of you who also attend live, um, but the podcasts are being sent up and go out to um, hundreds of people. And I'm gonna be starting to share them um, uh, you know, in the future on the, uh, the uh, basically what I do is I share older ones on the Celestial Voice podcast onto my Archangel Michael and Legion of Light page on Facebook. But if you haven't heard the recording from last month, it is podcast now up on the podcast, the Celestial Voice podcast on iTunes um, or on my AnnaJonesOnline.com website where you can hear the recording from, <laughs> excuse me, the July 20th message, as well as June and May and April and March, right? So uh, we started on the spring equinox in March and we're going all the way through to September 20th, which will be right before the fall equinox and that'll be the fall equinox message and that'll be the final global transmission in the series. So this transmission tonight and then the September 20th one will be the final one for the for the year, most likely with the exception of um, probably the winter solstice because I used to do these only on the equinoxes and the solstice until I was asked uh, around the time of the pandemic to start doing them uh, in these uh, short little series of six or seven uh, messages in a row uh, each year. So um, I'm going to just explain a little bit uh, to you about the process we're going to use. I'm not going to talk too much about myself or my history. Uh, there's plenty of podcasts on the Social Voice podcast, especially in some of the earlier episodes where I do share a lot about myself and my history and how I got started with this work, etc. Um, and now there's a wonderful video on my website, my AnnaJonesOnline.com website. Um, it's not up on YouTube, my YouTube channel yet, but I think it is up on the Shift Network YouTube channel of um, an interview that I did last year um, in the Mystic Summit uh, that I was asked to, to participate in from the Shift Network. So that video is actually up on the homepage of my website, and I believe it might be on YouTube uh, in, on, the, on the Shift Network's page. 
that uh, interview um, talks a lot about my history uh, as as a mystic and following on the path of the mystic. And so um, I highly recommend if you want to learn more about me to visit my website, read my bio on there, look at my French retreat and the different bio that's on there. Um, the retreat's full, but there's things that you can see about some of my work and my ministry that's on the retreat website that you can't even see on my on my AnnaJonesOnline.com. And then watch that video because it'll tell you a lot more about who I am and how I began to experience these experiences many, many decades ago. Now I was uh, 14 years old when I began getting messages that the angels were asking me to deliver to other people. And over the years, I've developed it to the point that it is now. Um, and over the years, I've been given a process, a process that um, I was guided to use until they tell me otherwise. So I'm continuing to use that process. Uh, and part of the process before the formal part of the prayer process begins is to verbalize uh, questions. And to, the angels told me one time uh, in the beginning of this process to never approach them without some kind of questions. So I am gonna take some time here in the beginning to reflect a little bit on the messages so far this year, um, where we're at kind of in this series, what's been what's been coming through, and then also questions that I have um, on behalf of all of us. So I'm just gonna put in the questions out on behalf of all of us that I would really uh, like to hear more about. Archangel Michael asked me to do this series, just like the other ones, and um, in this mystical experiences that I have with him. And um, these messages uh, are very deep and very profound. Uh, so I'm happy to continue to do it for as long as he asked me to do it. I feel really connected to him strongly tonight uh, because I've been immersed um, for like two weeks plus now and definitely uh, today in some of the uh, type transcripts of some of the recordings that have come through over the years. I've been working on type transcripts and putting them into a book, which I'm happy to say it, I finally have finished and it's been sent to at least one of the people that needs it and then it'll be sent on to the person who will be going up to um, Amazon. So uh, the replay of this will, again, um, the replay of this will go onto the podcast, right? So the replay of this recording and all of the previous recordings that have been in this series go up onto the Celestial Voice podcast. Um, and you guys will get an email as to when that recording is available. It took me a long time this time because several different things <laughs> that was going on, um, summer vacations, visitors, um, dif difficulties, etc. Um, but it shouldn't take more than like maybe a week maximum before it would put up on the podcast, this recording. So this recording from tonight will be podcast on the Social Voice podcast, both on iTunes and on AnnaJonesOnline.com, and you'll receive an email. Um, so getting back to what I was explaining, so um, so where we've been in the series, so what he's been, what Archangel Michael has been speaking about, uh, he's, he's he, on the spring equinox, he said his theme, not just for the series, but our theme uh, that we're kind of all experiencing from the spring equinox of this year to the spring equinox of next year, so a whole year cycle from spring equinox of 23 to spring equinox of 24, that there's this year of amplified destiny, this year where our call of destiny 
uh, will we'll get stronger and stronger. Uh, things that are connected to our life purpose, to our destiny, will, you know, basically pull and push us. Uh, you know, there'll be all kinds of like signs and synchronicities and changes and transformations. And it's just going to be a year from spring equinox to spring equinox of really being, being amplified. Um, so the amplification um, is uh, is something we're all ongoing, right? So, and, and even after we finish the last message next month, it will still be ongoing all the way through the spring equinox and then whatever ripple effect beyond that. So I would like to just, as I'm kind of sharing with you things that he's talked about thus far in the series, put out the questions for him at the same time. So I would like for him to always feel free uh, in any of these transmissions, but especially tonight, if you'd like to speak anything more about our destiny, uh, because the last two messages have been very profound messages about our collective destiny, right? Our, the collective destiny of humanity. Um, the message on that is titled on the podcast, you'll see it titled, "Love the love that knows no bounds. I didn't know the title before. I always title these things afterwards when I'm listening to them, right? Because when it's coming through, I'm hearing it at the same time you're hearing it. I'm in a deep meditative trance state. I'm hearing it at the same time you're hearing it. I have no idea what he's going to talk about, but he a lot of times does respond to the questions. So um, I title them afterwards. I try to write up a little description afterwards when I put it up on the podcast so that it can just be released and you all can listen to it and, and the public can public can listen to it. Um, so I titled that that one that was so that would have been June, uh, the June one of this of the series. I titled it "The Love That Knows No Bounds," and then the one from July, the one that just got emailed out. Um, it is titled uh, Co-Creating a Culture of Love, because in both of those messages, he was talking about this collective destiny that we all have as one profoundly uh, amazing message of how we're one family, like how we're one you know, family of spirit and how we're one human family. And that we do have our individual destinies. And of course, I always want him to explain anything more about what, how we can recognize that, how we can know that. Uh, if there's anything more we need to, we can hear from him or learn from him regarding uh, our individual destinies. But he's been speaking about our collective destinies and um, gave uh, a, like a, a life purpose type of destiny mission statement. Um, and that one message on this, the topic of the love that knows no bounds uh, and then expanded it even further uh, saying that not only was that the mission statement, but that there was this whole other part of it that he wanted to speak of in, in depth and detail last month, uh, which I, again, I titled it co-creating a culture of love, but it didn't even feel like it was an um, adequate title. The message was, was so profound and beautiful um, and just immensely uh, deep teachings that are in there if we take them and apply them. So I would like to ask if there's, again, anything further that he would like to share regarding the cultural destiny that we have, co-creative, you know, cultural destiny that he was speaking of last time, how and how, you know, how do we co-create this culture of love? He explained very clearly, I think, why and that the destiny is there and some beautiful things about you know, who who we are and why we agreed, you know, to to come here and to uh, co-create a, a culture of love. Um, but uh, it would be really great to hear him explain more about how, uh, because, you know, after the message, sometimes people feel really inspired. And I know even myself, I feel really inspired. And then, you know, the, just, the, just the kind of the inertia of things happening in the world, the inertia of life, the inertia that, uh, that, I, that, that we start to feel. And 
our lives can make us think, well, you know, th that's some, you know, fantasy type of, uh, of, of, of idea, you know, and of course, he's never talking about a utopian culture, when he, he always makes that clear that it's not utopian based or perfectionism based or anything like that, what he's talking about. So um, I feel like he's described a lot about what that culture of love is, why it is, why we've agreed. So I should, just would love to hear more on how, um, how do we uh, live a life that we love, doing what we love, with whom we love, where we love, in a way that we love for the purpose and cause of love, which is what he defined as that uh, collective mission statement in the message that it was called um, The Love That Knows No Bounds, which was the one right before last. Um, and then how do we co-create that culture of love? Like how? And I've just been thinking like, so, so sometimes it makes it sound like it's just so natural. We just have to like, you know, move into what's natural and stop doing things that are unnatural. And I'm like, like, like if it really is um, about doing what's natural and, and stop doing things that are unnatural, what's blocking us from doing that would be another one of my questions. Um, because it feels like there's, there's, there's blockages that or something that is there even um, maybe, of course, on the individual level, but in our collective psyche or something, um, or maybe it's in our, our karmic past history together or something like that. But I would love to hear more about how <laughs> we create that life that we love and how we create that culture of love which he says is our collective destiny. Um, and if, if anything is blocking us, what is blocking us and then how to unblock us um, again, both individually and collectively, because he always speaks in terms of individually and collectively, but sometimes on certain messages, he'll focus one, on more, one more than the other. Like some messages he'll focus in on just very personal, it, just very, very personalized as if people feel like the, he's speaking directly to them uh, and answering like, personal questions they have uh, and other times he's speaking more like to all of us collectively so just it's up to him as to what he wants to, to do about that um, but since I've been immersed in the teachings that he gave a few years back and putting them into a book called keeping your heart open um, and that book's going to be coming out this fall. It will be released publicly uh, to the general public for sale. I'm, I'm hoping to do pre-sale maybe in September, uh, but pre-sale will just be you'll be receiving it basically when it gets publicly released. Uh, but publicly released um, at the end of October, beginning of November at the latest. Um, it, it, it's on the subject of keeping the heart open. And it seems to me when I was immersing myself into those teachings, Hmm, this is all connected. You know, it's like every message he's kind of been delivering uh, over the last few years, it all seems interconnected. Of course, everything is interconnected, but it seems like there is a there's a thread, so to speak, of the way in which he weaves it all together and brings it all together. And is there some role that the heart um, or an open heart is meant to play also in fulfilling our destiny like what role does the heart play uh he's described that a little bit in this series like i think early on maybe the april may um i think maybe the april uh transmission this year which is all up on the podcast so if you just go to social pod voice podcast you'll find it um if you 
if you can listen to that, it seems like there was something where he was describing a push and a pull of the heart and how the heart is being, will be pulled to our destiny and there'll be like a push kind of that we'll feel within our hearts to our destiny. Um, but other than that, which he's already spoken of, is there some other role uh, that the heart is meant to play? And is there some other role that the virtues are meant to play would be another one of my questions actually, because he's been on a long uh, ongoing um, series of different teachings regarding different virtues, uh, so much so that that's going to be uh, a, a two book, uh, two, two books, two volumes uh, of, of material that will actually get published in books in the teaching of Archangel Michael series. Um, there's going to be this new one coming out this fall, and then hopefully next year, uh, book one in the teachings that he's given on the subject of co-creating with the virtues, um, and then book two, hopefully shortly thereafter, to be able to uh, get them all out in the in the in the the book format, uh, so that people can have these. It's so so helpful to hear them live, and I feel like the the most energetic work that he does on us is during the the live transmissions because it's actually a light activation, an energy transmission that is that he's giving to each one of us that participates in it live. We can get some of that through the recordings, um, and we can get some of it in the written word, but we can kind of work with it more in depth and kind of go deeper with working with the material and the written word. So each kind of experience of working with uh, these teachings that Archangel Michael gives us and these experiences that he's giving us, each one is kind of special and unique. Um, so I, 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 again, I think the, the, the most energy work we receive is at the time that he's transmitting it live. Uh, even the energy work is not just going, the energy he's transmitting isn't just going to us individually. It's actually going to the earth. There's a light activation he says that he's sending to the earth at the time that it's being transmitted. That's actually why I don't just call them angelic messages or message groups because they are transmissions, they're global transmissions. They're, they're, they're really going to, not just those of us who are participating live, but to the whole earth. Sorry, I'm gonna sneeze. <laughs> Apologize. Mm. <laughs> My allergies, they, they somehow when I when I start to do these, the, the allergies always catch up. But um anyway, uh yeah, so it's it's going to the whole earth, so that's why I call it a global transmission. I think I think I covered all of the major questions that I have. Um and that I wanted to put out there other than I always like to ask him if there's anything that he feels that we need to know or that we need to be doing to be working with the energies right now. Um, and uh, I, I, I also ask him if there's ever any prayers or meditations or ceremonies. Sometimes so he's given us sometimes elaborate like ceremonies and rituals and things like that too. Uh, there've been times where he's channeled through a whole entire med meditations. So I'm always open to that. Um, and I would also personally, because of my 14 years of living full-time in Hawaii and then the last uh, six and a half years of being um, having my my business still operating out of there, traveling back and forth, spending most of my time in, in California, but, but, but still maintaining my business out of Hawaii and actually going back and forth to Hawaii. Hawaii is very much a part of my heart and uh, my soul's home on earth. 
And so I would also like to just ask him to send some healing energy, uh, so do whatever light transmission that he's sending to the planet to send, send some special uh, light transmissions to uh, the people of Maui, the people of Lahaina, the land there, as well as to the oceans and uh, right now to the people of Southern California also that are being affected by a tropical storm and people all over the world that are that are suffering from you know, catastrophic uh, types of natural disasters and just be able to kind of send some extra love if he could uh, to these people. I've thought about in my life experience, um, you know, any culture that I've come across or that I've uh, interacted with in my travels around the world and my travels like leading retreats, you know, the, the places that I've gone, which is not everywhere, um, by no means is it anywhere close to everywhere, but um, if there's been any examples of a culture of love and especially the Hawaiian culture, um, those who live and practice the, um, the, the, the not just a philosophy, but a way of life uh, that is called Aloha living, right? The, the, uh, the, the way of Aloha the, or the living of Aloha, um, that Aloha means love. It's one of the translations of it. It's one of the deepest, most uh, significant real translations of the word Aloha. And so when you're living a life that's based in Aloha, when you're living a life that is um, based on that in a culture that's based on that, um, you're living a life of love in, in, a, in, a, in a culture based on love. I'm not saying it's perfected right now and it's in its, in its current, um, all of its current forms and all the things that go on, issues, etc. that are, that are going on but it is something that I could think of that like I'd say well one of the things that's the closest that I've come across is the beauty of aloha living and the aloha lifestyle and the aloha the way of aloha in the Hawaiian culture and so I'll also just say if there's anything further that he wants to teach us about that culture or any other culture that he could say would be an example for us to like look at like okay here's an example if he could tell us like okay here's an example like i'm trying to think of an example if he could tell us hey here's an example for you to to to, to look at i mean a lot of times he just references ancient ancient cultures that maybe aren't even in existence uh, anymore, but especially if there's something in existence, I would be very uh, interested. I think it would be very helpful for all of us to have some examples, or if there's anything we can, um, you know, kind of model and what we're wanting to even envision that being like, right? So, you know, what is a life of, of love, and what is a, a culture of love? You know, what what are what are models of it that we might even be able to envision? Because uh, he's spoken before on the keys to manifestation, right? The keys of co the four keys of co-creation, and one of those is being able to not just have the intention to create, but but also to be able to imagine it, right? To be able to kind of imagine it. So that's one of my questions. And then, of course, in the prayer, we always just give him permission to speak to us about whatever it is, what anything <laughs> that he feels is for our highest good. Um, and so we'll do that, too, in the prayer. All right. So I'm just going to check the recordings and make sure that they're working. Everything looks good with that. Okay. I'll take a drink of water. My sinuses are still tickling. Okay. <clears throat> so now we're going to um, begin the process, and I'll share with you a little bit about the formal prayer process. Uh, this formal prayer process the angels gave me years ago and told me to continue to use it until they tell me otherwise. Um, so the formal prayer process is, is it's four things done in five steps. And think of it as a circle. Um, so praising, asking, 
thanking, receiving, and back to praising again. So praising, asking, thanking, receiving, and back to praising again. Um, so the praise chant we're going to use tonight, again, is a praise chant that they gave me to use. And it's always for invoking them and ensuring that the highest divine, highest of the divine energies come in. And the praise chant is Adonai Elohim, Adonai Eloheinu. Um, and I'm going to be adding Mikael's name in there as well. So, uh, but the essence of it, the heart of it, so to speak, is Adonai, which is a Hebrew name for God. Um, Elohim, which is a Hebrew name for the divine. Also, that's plural. That's kind of everywhere uh, in everything. Um, angels say that they are part of that divine Elohim. And then Adonai again, and then another Hebrew name for the divine, which is Eloheinu. And then we're going to add Michael's name in there, but we're going to be using a closer pronunciation um, to the Hebrew, which is Mikael, Mikael, Mikael. Um, and remember that we're not just invoking Archangel Michael or praising Archangel Michael when we're singing that, but we are going to, um, it, it, it has the name El in it, which is the, one of the oldest of the Hebrew names for God, one of the oldest Hebrew names for the divine, and um, that name invokes uh, he who is like unto God, but all of the energy that is of God and like unto God is in the word L, right? So um, the praise chant in its entirety will be Mikael, 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 Adonai, Elohim, Adonai, Eloheinu, Mikael, Mikael, Mikael. And I'll go straight through that. I'll chant it out loud. Um, I can't hear or see anybody. Uh, neither can anyone else. So you're welcome to participate out loud uh, or silent if you like. But you're going to get the most out of these experiences if you don't just be an observer, but you actually be a participant. And you participate at every step of the way and follow the instructions that I'm going to give you every step of the way to go through this whole entire process. It's a, it's a, it's a process for receiving this transmission and to help even co-create it even coming through because he's bringing it through um, with our will, right? It's like there's, there's a role that our will is even playing in all of this. So um, then after the praise chant, uh, I'll guide us through a formal invocation of asking for Archangel Michael, asking him to answer these questions, etc. And then I'll go straight from the asking into the thanking, and I'll guide us through some gratitude prayers. And I'll go straight from the thanking into the receiving. And the receiving for you is just going to be to let yourself relax into a meditative listening state. The recordings are going. You can always take notes from the recordings after, once you get them, or you can take notes afterwards. But if you really want to receive any personal connection that you can feel with him, or if you really want to receive any like personal messages, because people have said that they, they do feel that there's personal messages that come through for them, um, or just feel his presence, you know, then, then just let yourself relax and receive take notes later um, and I, it's during that time period where I'm guiding you to relax and receive that I'll just go into a deep meditative trance state I'm at the point right before sleep I'm not asleep but I'm right at the point before sleep I'm still hearing I'm consciously awake and I still am hearing and aware of everything that's being said and there's also things that visuals that sometimes I get um, and so other things that I may feel or hear or sense uh, or that may stand out to me and so we'll, he'll speak for however long he needs to speak for and the last part of this the the, the session and we'll be finished for tonight the last part will be I'll bring us up out of the meditation once he's done finished speaking 
um, I'll have us do a, back to praise, right? I'll just Adonai Elohim at the end, just to kind of bring the whole process full circle. I'll bring us up out of the receiving with that. And then I'd like to share with you first thing before it starts to fade, because it does start to fade in my memory. Um, is, is anything that I did see here, feel that went in addition to the message, um, anything that stood out to me, anything that felt very strong energetically or moving energetically. A lot of times these messages are profoundly moving experiences for me. Sometimes I find it even hard to talk afterwards. I was, that's been happening quite a bit recently. Um, so, uh, but I'll share with you whatever I can. And then the last thing before we get off is I'll, uh, it, it, I'll welcome everybody then to go into the chat and to then ask questions or make comments or say hello or say goodbye or whatever you'd like. Okay. So, um, so for right now, let's just get ourselves ready. I want you to get yourself comfortable. You're welcome to lie down, but um, don't do that if you think you might fall asleep because uh, um, people do, do sometimes go very, very deep in this. Um, but if you want to sit up, that's fine. If you want to lay down, that's fine. Um, but just know, know that it is a very deep experience. So go ahead and get yourselves comfortable. All right, we're going to sit back and we're going to close our eyes. And first, we're going to begin by just centering ourselves by taking some long, slow, deep breaths. And now I'll guide us into the formal process. So first the praising. I'll begin by chanting out loud, and you can join me out loud or silently in whatever way feels right to you. Mikael. Thank you. 
Now I'm going to go from the praising into the asking and ask you all to silently participate and following along with me as I guide us through the steps of the invocation prayer. So let's all silently now in whatever way feels right to you, just call upon the presence of divine love and divine light. And let's ask to be protected and connected by divine love and divine light. And let's ask to be connected in a circle of love and a circle of light that extends across space and time to wherever we are and connects all of us wherever we are and connects all of us to whenever we're listening to this, just sending out a circle and creating a circle of love and light for all of us to unite our light and join it with Archangel Michael's light. And then join me in whatever way silently feels right to you. And personally calling in Archangel Michael for yourself and into our circle of love and light that we have created through uniting our light here today. Ask for Archangel Michael to come forth and to use this as an opportunity to transmit the light and the energy that he wishes to transmit to the earth, the light activation that he wishes to transmit to the earth and to all of us and to all beings. And let's ask Archangel Michael to hear the questions that I've verbalized here today and to give us any guidance or answers that he can about any of those things. But let's also ask him to just speak to us freely and openly about anything that he feels 
is for our highest good right now, whether I've asked the question or not, just really for him to speak to us in regard to any topic and anything that he wants to share. For our highest good, for the highest good of all. And now we're going to move from the asking into the thanking. And so I'm going to guide you in some prayers of gratitude. So anyway, now that silently feels right to you, just send out a silent prayer of gratitude to Archangel Michael first for the role that he plays in your life and the role that he plays in all of our lives and in our world. All of the things that he is and that he does that's known to us as well as all the things that he is and that he does that's unknown to us. We want to just give thanks and offer that gratitude and silent prayer at this time to Archangel Michael. And our next prayer of gratitude is going to be a prayer of gratitude directly to the divine, personally for any blessings in our life, but also collectively for the blessing of life itself, the blessing of the sacredness of life and how precious it is. Just taking a moment to say a silent prayer of gratitude directly to the divine for our many blessings. And we're going to deepen our breathing and we're going to relax even more now. We're going to go into the receiving by letting ourselves breathe and relax and go into a meditative, receptive listening meditation. I'm going to go deeper now into my silent meditation until the next words will be the message part of the transmission coming through.
There are no questions too big or too small. All are worthy of asking. All are worthy of answers. The same is true for your prayers. There are no prayers that are too big or too small. All are worthy of praying and all are worthy of being answered. And all are answered, whether you recognize the answer or not. Because they are always answered in the way that is for your highest good and for the highest good of all. And so I am responding to your prayer and to your questions today. It is I, the Archangel Michael, dedicated in my service, in my mission, in my destiny, to serve humanity, the earth, and all on the earth in fulfilling your destiny individually and collectively. And I will continue to speak about this in ways that repeat some of what I have already previously said, but in all new ways as well. Let me first begin by saying that everything is sacred. In order to fulfill your personal destiny, in order to fulfill your collective destiny, and in order to fulfill and complete your collective destiny with this world and with this planet, and with this entire third dimension. You indeed do need a shift in consciousness and a shift into your hearts. And as I have spoken of before, and I will continue to speak of in new ways going forward, a shifting into your hearts in a way that also requires you to see through the eye of your heart, see through the eyes, through the vision of how your heart sees. And to know through what the heart knows and in the way in which the heart knows. Because it has a whole other kind of knowing that supersedes the knowledge of your intellect. That goes all the way to the soul level and beyond. And when you begin to see and know and then act and serve from the heart and through the heart, then yes, your personal destiny, your collective destiny, your destiny with creating a culture of love, all begins to 
unfold in a very natural way. In a very natural way. When you are seeing the earth and each other and all beings that you are interconnected with, both here and in the spiritual world, through the eyes of the heart, you see the sacredness, the sacredness that is everywhere, that everything and everyone truly in their heart, in their soul. No matter what else is there, there is a sacredness that is there. Whether they're living from it or not is a whole other story and is a whole other thing entirely. Whether they're acting from it or not is a whole other thing entirely, a whole other message in and of itself. but it doesn't negate the fact that it is there. What you choose with your free will and how you choose to live and act and think and be, and what you choose to do and create and co-create with your free will does not take it away. It creates coverings, yes, and it can create many things that cloud, obscure, and yes, even block that natural flow, that natural being, that natural way of all that is sacred within you and of all that is sacred around you. I encourage you to practice as a spiritual practice in and of itself, all spiritual practices are valuable. All spiritual practices are different because there is something different that you can get out of each and every one of them. You don't have to practice it every day of every moment. But the more you practice it, it will become infused into your consciousness in every day and every moment. But in order to fulfill your personal destiny and your collective destiny, to live a life that is based in love and to co-create a culture, a love-based culture, I encourage you to practice this practice that I'm going to describe to you today as seeing everything and everyone as sacred. Practice seeing it through the eyes of the heart. It's not going to be easy at first. But it also does not have to be hard either. I have spoken many times and used the term an effortless flow that can begin And like a snowball that is rolling down a hill, it can pick up momentum. That flow can grow stronger and the momentum of it can expand and the natural ways and the natural rhythms and the natural truth 
can begin to replace the illusions of which there are so many illusions to the cultural conditionings that you all have. No one is without them. No one is without the cultural conditionings. There are a few who have transcended them, but you all have them. And there are illusions based in them. For example, I have spoken before about the illusion of separation. And it is directly involved in this sight, whether or not you can see with this sight, but this exercise that I am describing to you today, of practicing seeing through the eyes of the heart of everyone and everything as sacred. There's a practice that can help you to break through the illusions, even if the illusions are present. A practice that can help you gain greater compassion for the culture and for the cultural conditioning. Gain greater compassion for all of the things that block you individually and collectively. And expand that love to all that is sacred. And I'm not just talking about being vague and broad and general in the practice. I truly mean everything. And it's not something that you can do all at once. It's something that you can periodically return back to practicing again and again and again and again until it gets easier. And for some of you, it is easier to start within your own self and within your own life. And for others, it's not. It's not easy to focus first on your own self and your own life. It may be easier to begin to focus on everything and everyone around you, the earth itself perhaps, and everything on the earth as being sacred. Not just the ground that you walk upon, not just the elements of earth, air, fire, and water, but all of the elements that are make up the elemental charts that your scientists have identified, that make up the minerals and the elements of the firmaments of what you describe as the earth. Literally all beings, large and small, every place, everything as being sacred. And then extending out even beyond, beyond yourself and beyond those in your life and beyond your communities and your cultures and your nations and the earth and that everything that you're interconnected to 
And all of creation is also sacred. Each thing has its role. Each thing has its uniqueness. Just because all are sacred, as I have said many, many times, does not mean that anything is the same. Your oneness does not mean that there is sameness. Your uniqueness is sacred. Your diversity is sacred. Your uniqueness, which makes up the diversity, is so incredibly sacred. And when you begin to see through the eyes of the heart the sacredness that is everywhere and in everything, then you can begin to apply. Apply faith and hope and forgiveness, compassion into your understanding and into your relationships and into the energy that you put forth to others and with others. And again, this does not mean I've been speaking over and over again on the subject of perfectionism. Just as I have spoken about the virtues, I will continue to speak on the subject of perfectionism. It does not mean that everything is perfect or that everyone is perfect. It does not mean that everything and everyone is acting perfectly. Again, what I said in the beginning of this message is whether they are using their free will or not to act in a sacred way is something else entirely. But it doesn't take the sacredness away. And the way to restore it when it is being suppressed and repressed and oppressed is to call it out, draw it out. Appeal to the higher energy, the higher forces, and the higher nature within each soul. To come back into the balance and to understand that the balance, including the homeostasis that I have spoken of previously in this series, the balance itself is sacred. The universal laws that govern all of these things are sacred. So when you hold something as sacred, it doesn't mean that you hold them as an ideal. It doesn't mean that you hold them as perfect and see them as perfect. In fact, sometimes holding someone in your heart as sacred and treating them as sacred means encouraging them to be healing themselves. Encouraging change or transformation when something in, or someone is so incredibly out of balance. Sometimes that is the most appropriate thing to do in order to hold and honor and respect the sacredness in someone. When you see someone who is completely forgotten that sacredness within themselves or within others, it is not to 
condone them. That is not how you see sacredness in someone. Not to condone what their will is doing and how they are oppressed or repressed or suppressed in their actions and in their will of living out that sacredness and manifesting outward that sacredness. Seeing them as sacred, treating them as sacred does not mean condoning that. But it does mean wanting what is for the highest good, even if you don't understand what that is. And oftentimes you cannot understand what that is. You will hear this channel use that term and use that phrase in the prayer that she prays as our instructions have been given. You will hear me in so many of my messages, so many of my transitions and transmissions say the words for the highest good and for the highest good of all. But what does that mean and what does that look like? Sometimes it's not possible to see it, but you can still intend it and you can still ask for it to be done. Holding someone and something as sacred, whether it's also your soul contracts and your soul agreements with each other, they are sacred. And if someone is acting in such a way so as to go against one of those soul contracts or soul agreements, either in a personal relationship or in your collective destiny and the soul contract that you've all created collectively with each other, still seeing that person as sacred and acting in such a way and calling upon action in such a way that helps to rebalance, realign, whatever needs to be realigned that is out of balance. The healing is sacred and realignment and alignment is sacred. And so yes, when there are things clouding, obstructing, obscuring, suppressing, repressing, there does need to be healing, there does need to be realignment and seeing everything as sacred is also meaning those things are sacred. And sometimes seeing something or someone as sacred requires those things as the sacred process for everything and everyone and as the highest good. One of the reasons why it's difficult for you to understand the highest good and that the highest good be done for all is because it requires an even greater vision. Not just the vision of your soul, which is the vision of your heart. But going even deeper. Going even deeper and connecting with the divine spirit, the Holy Spirit, this divine soul that is the soul of your soul, the presence of the divine within. And if you can't see through that sight, then just acknowledging that that divine will is a will that is love and that is loving and that is benevolent, that doesn't desire to punish or persecute, 
but that is an all-loving, immortal presence and energy of all that is sacred. And go there, and it doesn't mean they'll be able to see everything. Not even those of us in the angelic realm can see everything that is for the highest good for all. But we trust, and we know, and we have complete faith in that sacred divine well that holds it sacred for all. And that will bring about always what is for the highest good of all. And it's truly one of the most beautiful things that we in the angelic realm see, even though we don't fully see either. The beauty of it is immense. There are no words in your language to describe it. The closest word I can find in your English language to describe it is complete. The word complete. The beauty of that divine well that lovingly goes about creating that which is always going to be for your highest good and for the highest good of all. Is so sacred. It is complete. It is whole. I had to sing seeing everything and everyone as sacred. is a practice of love in and of itself and can go, as I said in the beginning of this message, a very long way in helping you to create a life that you love and create a culture of love in your world. in your societies, in your communities. In my teachings that I've given on the subject of the virtues, I have sometimes spoken of what you refer to as the vices. And I wish to make it clear once again that a vice is not the equal and opposite of a virtue before I speak about any of them. The virtues are the divine energies that are everywhere around you, everywhere within you, there for you to co-create a life that you love and a culture and a world based on love. It is the sacred 
co-creates love, that energy. Which is why love is not just a virtue in and of itself. It's transcendent and transcendental in so many other ways like I have described in previous messages. We ask a very important question today about what are some of the things that are blocking you? The practice that I'm giving you today of practicing seeing through the eyes of the heart as everything as sacred and everyone as sacred is the practice that will help you. Is one of the practices that will help you to move past the blockages, the current ones, the new ones, and some of the very, very old culturally conditioned ones. There is more, and there is more to it. And even the practice itself requires so much more than what I'm describing here today, that if you truly dedicate yourself to incorporate it into your spiritual practices, you will realize over time, the more you practice it, just how much depth there is to it, how much breadth and depth there is to it. But I choose to speak about it also because of this question about what is blocking you, so to speak using the words of how the question was asked from creating the life that you love and co-creating with each other a culture of love in the world. The virtues are the solution, but things that you refer to as vices, which again are not powers in and of themselves, they're not some dark power that is going to stop you. They are shadows. They are shadow-based energies, the vices, all of them, are shadow-based energies in your emotions, primarily from your emotions and your emotional self, your emotional wounds and your emotional insecurities. your emotional traumas, all of which create shadows, shadows that do not destroy the light because the light cannot be destroyed. Shadows that only obscure and obstruct the light. Like even the shadow of night. When you experience night, you are not experiencing a void of light. You are only experiencing the shadow. The earth is turned in such a way, so is the sun that is shining and that is always shining, no matter what, the light that is ever present, no matter what. It is simply just being obstructed and a shadow is being cast and you call it night. And you experience it as night and you think that it is the absence of the light, but it is not. There is no such thing as the absence of the light. Because even a shadow only exists because of the light. A shadow, not even the shadow of night, not even the shadow within you. 
No shadow can exist without it. And so the vices are these shadow manifestations coming from so many of the emotions that I have described, thoughts, conditioning, they all obscure the light, cover it, so to speak, but not take it away. And there are many vices that you recognize as being emotional-based, emotional-driven. But there are not just emotions. There's thoughts behind it, beliefs that get put behind them, which is why I'm putting them in the category of vice to begin with. But again, just like all shadows, they can be brought to an end by bringing the shadow to the light or bringing the light to the shadow, restoring, bringing everything back into the light. Even some of the strongest and most powerful of the vices that I'm describing to you. Today, I wish to speak about the vice of greed. Is it an emotion? Yes. Does it get triggered by your emotions and other emotions, such as fear and other types of emotions? Yes. Is it just an emotion? No. It is also something that is based on thought and thought patterns and ideologies and philosophies and conditioning of the mind, not just emotions. Is it something that only people who are deemed to be bad people have? No. And if you think of all beings as sacred, you'll begin to change and transform even that ideology. There's bad actions, there's choices that are wrong choices, hurtful, harmful actions and choices and things that people do that are not right and that are not in the right with the universal laws and with your destiny and with their destiny. But greed is not something that just affects only a few. It is easiest to see it in those who are driven by it the most. It is easiest to recognize it in those who are driven by it the most and impacted by it greatly. It is much harder to see it in yourselves 
in your own thoughts, in your own beliefs, in your own ideologies, in your own things that you accept as just the way things are, or the way things have always been, or the way things just have to be. I've spoken before about your belief systems being like a garden that grows within you and that feeds so many things within you, within your ideology, within the choices that you make. And I've used the analogy and I will use it again here today that like all gardens, you have to weed the things out of the garden that do not serve, that do not serve for the true nourishment. And in this case, beliefs that don't serve for the true nourishment of the soul and of everything that is sacred. In addition to weeding out the garden of beliefs from anything and everything that is associated with even the mildest and most subtle forms of greed, it is helpful first to begin to do an inner self-evaluation and in the process of seeing things sacred, it'll become easier to do so and see the things that you wish to cling to or hold to. Because even clinging to something or someone, holding to something or someone in a way that is clinging, as you would describe it, attachment, as you would describe it, is a form of greed in and of itself. It may not be the same type that screams at you when you see others who are so driven by it, but there's still an element of it that is there. And there's so much in your societies that is based on it. Because things have been the way that they have been for so long and out of balance for so long. It's hard to see the greed-based culture and the greed-based conditioning that goes into the culture. And a greed-based caste system, so to speak, for lack of, again, better term to use, that exists within the cultures of the world. Not just one culture. All cultures are out of balance. Not just one culture needs to become a culture of love. All cultures need to become a love-based culture. And holism plays a great role in this. I have spoken before that the operating model of the universe, the operating model of nature, the operating model of your own nature, of your own bodies, the way they operate and the model and the system through which they operate that is truly sacred 
is holistic in nature. It is the operating model of holism. And so while you might not feel like you can personally, just as one individual, change the whole culture and all of the vices and specifically the vice of greed has created in the world and in your lives and in your cultures, you can start from within and it ripples out, I tell you. I promise you. It ripples out when you heal your own heart. When you weed your own garden. When you plant and grow within the garden of your beliefs, within the garden of your mind and your emotions, the virtues, love, compassion, forgiveness, hope, Faith, trust, perseverance, patience. The list goes on. As I've said, there are 44. And I'm going to speak about one today. One that I have not spoken of before. Not this way and not into this level of detail. In order to close my message, it is appropriate because while the virtues are not equal and opposite to anything, because they are divine, they are the divine energies to be applied to any and all of the vices to bring you out of them. When you apply them, as I have referred to as like a healing balm, they can bring you out of those illusions. They can bring you out of even things as powerful as greed. And the virtue that I'm going to speak about is a virtue that many in today's world Define in a very different way than the way that I define it. Because through greed and a greed motivation to control others, it has been defined in a very limited way. And I am in no way, shape, or form defining it in a limited way, and I wish to redefine it for you. And I will continue to look for new words that I feel describe it better, but the word for the virtue that does apply, the word itself, but not the definition, is the word of chastity. The virtue of generosity can also bring you out of the vice particularly of greed, but so does chastity. How? What is it? What does it mean? What is the definition of true chastity instead of how it's been defined or described? Perhaps another word 
that does exist in your language that might be a better word to use for helping people to re-embrace it. it could be simplicity but it doesn't seem to include all which is why i am using the word chastity at all it doesn't seem to simplicity doesn't seem to include every aspect and component of what the virtue ultimately truly is Some of the virtues are so misunderstood and have been used in such tainted shadow ideologies and shadow belief systems about them that there's been a rejection of some of the virtues, literally rejecting the virtues that can help you to heal yourselves and heal your lives and heal and create and co-create the life that you love. Chastity doesn't mean just holding oneself sacred when it comes to one's sexual energy as it has been interpreted in the past or that it should be applied to women or one sex or gender or the other exclusively as it has been applied by some and by cultures and religions in the past. What the true practice is, is holding everything and everyone as sacred in your life. Holding yourself as sacred treating yourself as sacred, every part of you as sacred, and making conscious choices and decisions as to what you want to do with all parts of your sacred life, of your sacred body, of your sacred mind, of your sacred emotions, of any sacred acts that you wish to do or perform. And all acts are sacred if they are aligned with the universal laws and the universal truths and the universal principles and virtues of life. And the acts that are not, that are shadow-based, are restored by bringing them back into the sacred. And by seeing the sacred, treating everything as sacred once again. And this is the true practice of chastity, and it's not defined by someone else. It's not defined in a judgmental way or meant to be practiced in a way that condemns anyone or even condones anything. Practicing it as a way of living and being from the inside out and from the outside in, of being sacred and seeing everything and knowing everything and treating everything as sacred. And then the choices are yours. The free will decisions are yours. And what you do with your energy is yours. And you'll find yourself making a lot smarter and more amazing choices. 
when you do as you do. I said earlier that many of you will find it easier to start within yourself and to start from the inside and work your way out of seeing things as sacred. You could start with your own bodies, or you could start with your mind, or you could start with your emotions. Even your fear, even your worry, even your anxiety, even all of the emotions that you dislike and that you find uncomfortable. Hold them as sacred, treat them as sacred, and you'll begin to have a different reaction to them. And you will begin to use them differently and be able to move more freely through them and transcend them or transmute them. Rather than fighting them or resisting them or struggling with them or judging them or condemning yourself for having them, See, all those things that you like and dislike about yourself, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, are sacred. And if it's something that truly does need to be healed, or if it's something that does truly need to be realigned, then the sacred act of doing so. But the act of realigning it, or healing it, or balancing it, or restoring it, is sacred. within your own mind, within your own emotions, within your spirit, and your higher self, and that your higher self is always there, your soul self is always there, is always sacred, is always the sacred within you, guiding you from within, guiding you from within your heart and from within your intuition and your intuitions, even though you may not always be discerning them properly, they are all sacred. And when you are needing to discern them, more clearly and more accurately, then that process of doing so is also sacred. And it's not just about having it at a perfected level, it's about the journey. The journey of discovery, the journey of awakening, the soul's journey of embracing the mystery. All of that is sacred and your bodies are sacred. They are all sacred, no matter what body you are in, no matter what the features or the characteristics of it are. Every organ in your body sacred. Every function of your body sacred. Every cell in your body sacred you choose what aligns with that and what feels sacred to you walk in a sacred way talk in a sacred way the Native Americans call it walking the beauty way to walk the beauty path and to walk the beauty way. 
again, it doesn't mean that every word that is said is spoken as something that is perfect. But something that's real, something that's true. That's sacred. The human concept and ideology of perfection does not exist. A divine perfection exists and is sacred, and but it includes all. It's all inclusive and all encompassing, not exclusive. Inclusive. So I will end my message today. Honoring in each and every one of you, the sacred being that you are. And trying to describe to you just how beautiful that is. And how beautiful you are. That's the end of the message. Let's just take a moment to say a silent prayer of thankfulness and appreciation for the message for the Archangel Michael. I'll complete the process just by doing Adonai Elohim a couple times by itself to finish bringing things full circle back to praise again. So please join me in doing so. Adonai Elohim, Adonai Elohim. Adonai Elohim, Adonai Elohim. And then we'll slowly bring ourselves up out of the meditation.
As I'm coming up out of the meditation, the first thing I'm going to share is that I had a very strong, clear audience experience. While he was speaking, the end of that message, it started maybe a couple minutes before he finished speaking. When he started talking about the beauty way and the Native Americans practice of some of what he's talking about being referred to as the beauty way. And I was hearing this song that I learned from one of my teachers. I'm not sure which one of my spiritual teachers taught it to me, but um, long ago, and it was probably in the 90s, and I was hearing it uh, clairaudiently as it were being sung. And it was sounded like all female voices, like almost like a chorus of of, of female singers that were that were singing it. And it was very um, loud and pronounced, and especially after he stopped speaking. And I felt like he was wanting me to share it with you. Um, I haven't sang it in a very long time, um, but I will do my best uh, because he's asked me to share it. Um, I will do my best to try to remember it all and uh, share it. I'm, I'm hearing it, but um, it, it has faded and started to fade already. But uh, basically, here's the gist of what I remember from the song called The Beauty Way, I believe. So um, here's what I remember of it. I walk with beauty before me. I walk with beauty behind me. I walk with beauty beside me. I walk with beauty above me. I walk with beauty all around me. As I Walk the beauty way. My thoughts will all be beautiful. My words will all be beautiful. My actions will all be beautiful. As I walk the beauty way. I walk with beauty all around me as I walk the beauty way. That's what I remember of the song and and what he was, I was having a clear audience experience when he was sharing it there at the end and when he was even sharing what, what he was seeing is just how how beautiful seeing everything as sacred is. It's like you're truly seeing uh, something in, 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 a, in a natural beauty way. So that's uh, one of the things that stood out to me, obviously. Um, and then the one of the other things that stood out to me is never in a million, this is one of the reasons why I can, <laughs> I'm always in awe of these uh, experiences myself and I can learn so much from them never in a million years would I think to define the virtue of chastity the way you just define it. So super grateful about that. Um, and I had a profound sense of feeling everything that he was talking about and saying, and I'm, and I'm always grateful for that experience to, to, to feel that uh, sacredness. And I loved how he was even talking about, and it always resonates with me very much when he talks about 
the difficult things and seeing that sacred too, the things that we dislike and that we find discomfortable um, and seeing the sacredness and all of that, you know, that I always resonate with any anytime he gives those kind of teachings because I think it's very important. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's another thing I could just say. It's just wow. But um, you can go ahead and put into the chat any comments. Uh, now is the time for that. I'll go ahead and stop the recordings as well. So um, that it doesn't, people don't feel like they have to be hindered by that. So...